lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Good morning, Sac City. I, I don't want to go too crazy. I don't want to do the Vincent uh, Milani. Good morning, Sac City. We are here. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Fantasy Drive brought to you by Sac City. And I know it's a different face on the left or right side of the screen, depending on both sides, really. What, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, what your computer really looks like. Um, I am the Muxia. I am bringing you all your fantasy football wonders. And next to me is, yeah, 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 boy, my boy. In words of any, everybody's boy, AJ Johnson. Uh, AJ, what's up, buddy? What's well, good? Happy Tuesday for a lot of people, but me, because you know, fantasy week is over. I'm happy that I'm on to the next week. I'm on to Cincinnati. Screw last week's fantasy. Uh, I, Ooh, I, I, I had tough to Cincinnati. They struggled. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. So did uh, a one wide receiver in my lineup, but that's because I'm an idiot. So, um, it's cool, you know. That's that's one thing I do like about Cincinnati. If there's ever been a let the last loss go and move on to the next. Fantasy football is all about that because if you had a bad week, you're probably coming in the next day and setting your next lineup, and it's 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 gone, it's washed. So I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, you know, I was talking, I was telling Vinny um, yesterday that this was my first real good fantasy week. Like out of my ten yeah. or eleven or twelve teams or whatever I got, um, I won the majority of them. The other ones were dynasty leagues that I've already, you know, I'm rebuilding anyway, so I knew I wasn't going to win. So right. uh, I was excited about this week in fantasy. Had had a good week, and we're going to dive into that. Uh, but we did have a Monday night football game, and it was a really good game. And we also have some interesting things going on and around the league. So uh, we're just going to jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for our morning headlines. And um, we did not rehearse this, AJ. We don't know what these morning headlines are. You specifically don't know what they are because they're coming off the top of my head. So as they come to me, we will talk about them. Uh, I want to start in my own division. I want to start in the NFC East. And Ron Rivera comes out and uh, the media asks him, hey, what's the difference between Washington, your team, and the rest of the NFC East? And he says, the quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I loved it. I love yep. to hear that yep. because it makes it validates everything I've been saying about Carson Wentz. But as a head coach, do you how do you feel about that? Is it appropriate to do that? Because it's not just Carson Wentz that's playing like crap. Their defense isn't very good. Their running game hasn't been very good. What do you attribute that kind of? I don't know, that dig or that running over the quarterback um, from Ron Rivera. How, how do you view that? You know, in a way. I understand where you could say it's not appropriate, but in a way, I think it's situational on two parts here. One, Ron Rivera don't mince words. He's been this this way all his career. He'll tell you how it is. And two, Carson Wentz knows where he is in this league right now. And if a fire needs to be lit under his ass and someone babies him at this point, you could be ruining his career, let alone the rest of your season. One and four is not good, but you can salvage some sort of pride, some sort of respect for your team if you can get him right. So being able to be like the quarterback's the difference. You're saying that, mind you, respectfully, in a division that has Daniel Jones as QB, and we've talked about him for years, and a division that recently has just been a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. So to say the quarterback, and for that to ring true, Carson Wentz has to hear that, take responsibility of that. We've also heard he's never been a leader. That's another thing you have to take accountability of. So in this situation, I understand it, and I appreciate Ron Rivera for being truthful and honest. If Carson Wentz don't like it, he's going to be fighting for his job through the middle of the season. But well, how do you feel about like, like Carson Wentz played well? What about Carson Wentz is the problem? Because we talked about how well he played 
up until the last minute. So what are you seeing from Carson Wentz that's kind of maybe something he needs to fix, or is it even fixable at this point? He has to get out of his own way in, in, in clutch situations. I mean, this isn't the first time we've seen him cost a game at the end. We talk about how well Carson Wentz plays all the time and how bad he is when it matters. We, t- we can look back last year when he played Tennessee and uh, at the end of the game in the two-yard line threw a pick. That was just dumb. Uh, <clears throat> we talk about the end of seasons when you need to be clutching an entire game. How do you play well, have seven turnovers in the entire season, and then in the last game to make the playoffs, you have a 4.2 quarterback rating. You can't get it done. You're turning the ball over. There's some sort of disconnect when the word pressure is attached to Carson Wentz, and it's not just costing teams the games. It's costing him his livelihood in his career. He's good enough to end up being a backup somewhere, but, I mean <laughs> – if if you can't if you can't salvage this season and make yourself desirable to the Washington Commanders for next season or to another team, I mean you're you're talking about a clipboard holder for the remainder of your career. Yeah, and, we, and like I said, Carson Wentz has the ability. And we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Carson Wentz has the ability to do anything on the football field. He has the arm strength. the The talent is there. Um, and I keep saying it's right between the ears, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. Carson's going to have to get after get out of his own way, like we've mentioned on many occasions. Um, in other news, Monday Night Football, obviously we know what happened. We're going to get into that game. After the game, Devontae Adams, obviously irritated, pissed off a little bit, uh, pushes a, a, a camera guy or a mic guy or whatever, who was somebody who was credentialed that was walking across uh, right in front of him. I don't know if the guy didn't see him. Obviously, Devontae kind of was surprised by it and just, you know, reacted, shoved him. Um, Suspension coming for Devontae, or do you think it's a heavy fine? Uh, I I hope it's a heavy fine. I don't think it's a suspension. Um, I I could definitely see a fine. I want to say I saw on Twitter he posted an apology. And I don't like to do this, but sometimes I'm just curious. There was a lot of comments I went in. It's amazing how fast people will just not be happy with anything. He apologized and people are calling it fake. If he didn't apologize, they call him an asshole because he didn't apologize. I mean, I am not condoning what he did. It was not right. There's you can you can call it one way or another. He came into his view out of nowhere. He's wearing the helmet. He saw a guy real close, reacted, frustrated. He was wrong. But he apologized to the man. And from what I read, it seems sincere. That doesn't mean he shouldn't get fined. I don't think it warrants a suspension. Uh, and I would love to, I'm sure he will, because every time I've seen, he's a stand-up guy, but I'm sure there will be another verbal and public apology from him, but uh, people got to stop. Like, just because these guys are football players and play violent doesn't mean their their apologies don't mean anything. I remember this happened with Drew Brees when he was in the wrong, clearly, and he apologized, and everyone's like, oh, that's a fake apology. And and you could tell it wasn't. Drew Brees has always been a stand-up guy, and from what I've seen, you can say the same thing about uh, Devontae Adams, so... We just got to stop thinking these players don't have feelings, don't care. They are also humans just because they're athletes doesn't take that away from them. Yeah. So I, I think this is interesting because I do like the the point you talked about, whereas people aren't going to be happy whether you apologize or don't apologize. It doesn't matter. Somebody's going to be upset. The thing I found interesting was it didn't take two hours to apologize. He actually apologized the minute he got on the press or got a microphone in front of him in his locker room. He recognized what he did and he, you know, reacted. He said, hey, I, what I did was wrong. I was in the moment. I was frustrated. He came out at me and I didn't, you know, I just reacted and I apologize for that. Um, I think there's something to that being sincere, because if you're not sincere about an apology, 
first of all, you still lost the game. You're probably not thinking even about apologizing to that guy until somebody in the staff says, hey, man, you pushed him. You need to make sure you make this right. Um, he didn't even have to wait that long. He gets to the locker room. There's a microphone in front of his face. He says he needs to apologize to this man. Then he comes out again on Twitter to say, hey, maybe he didn't see my press conference. Maybe he didn't see my, me in the locker room, but I hope he sees this tweet. tweet and, you know, I, again, I apologize. So, um, yes, the league has to do something because it's an employee, yeah. workplace safety. All those things apply. Um, I think a lot of it will have to do with how the person reacts to it. Is he going to make a big deal about it? Or is he going to be like, man, look, I, I understand and, and move on. Um, you hope he has that sense to do that. But uh, I do think there's a chance he's suspended for a game, but I would lean on the side of just a real hefty fine. If, if I'm the NFL, um, I know sometimes they want to set a precedence. I don't think this is one of those times. Right. It, it this needs to be set. So. Yeah, people are running around shoving people because they lost. This, yeah. this just... And, and people stop acting like you don't react to things either. Like, <laughs> stop trying to pretend this. We are so bad. we are so we're so yeah. fake as a society when it comes to stuff like this. Um, mm-hmm. Could you imagine being at your job? You're frustrated. Somebody hops out at you, and you don't have any sort of reaction. Maybe maybe you're that type of person. Congratulations if you are. But you're also not a football player. Um, I, I think we often hold these guys to standards that are just unrealistic to live up to because we think they're superhuman and they're not, they're just human. So um, again, it was wrong. Yes, Devontae Adams has never been in trouble, never had any issues, never a peep of anything. And this one incident to me doesn't really warrant um, a suspension. So I I agree there. Um, What else we got on morning headlines? I think that's all for our morning headlines. We got this Monday night football game too, but before I do have a quick and brief injury report. That's right. Injury report time. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the injuries. We had a heavy injury report on Monday, but there are some updates. Um, Baker Mayfield with the ankle. Looks like he is going to miss some time. So Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, Vinny Malani. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about Russell Wilson and that lat strain that he has in the shoulder. Dak Prescott had that same injury during preseason uh, a few, um, I don't know if it was early this year or last year, but he sat out some time. Um, and just rested it a couple of weeks. Obviously, Russell does not have that luxury being that they're in the middle of the season, but he's going to try to play through it. That could be something to monitor and just watch his ability to throw the ball downfield or be accurate, things like that. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London for the Falcons. I wanted to mention this because AJ's on the show. Uh, they're both banged up. Pitts was inactive. Drake London left and went down because of an ankle injury. Um, obviously, Pitts has that hamstring. There's going to be... Uh, they're going to be looking for somebody in Atlanta to, to catch passes. So hopefully one of those guys can uh, can get back right. So um, those are kind of the ones that stood out to me right now. Um, obviously, there's a lot more injuries. Dak Prescott's going to try throwing this week um, to see if he can play on Sunday against the Eagles. Um, obviously, where there were some injuries in last night's Raiders game, Darren Waller left with the hamstring injury. Um, he only played six plays. They said it wasn't too significant, but yeah they he left the game and didn't return so obviously you have to have some concern there um yeah so uh Tershawn Wharton also suffered an ACL in last night's game so I know we're gonna get to last night's game but I might as well cover the injuries now so he will be out for the remainder of the year but AJ Monday Night Football um pretty much what we expected 
from the AFC West, right? A, a close game, but it wasn't how it, it wasn't that way to start. Um, I, I want to kind of take this in two different parts because I want to talk about the Raiders and the Chiefs, but I want to talk about the game as a whole uh, first. Uh, what were your biggest takeaways from, from that game? Just watching the game on surface level, what were your biggest takeaways? Man, the Chiefs are going to be an impossible team to deal with. There was not a single moment in that first half when they were down 17 and nothing that I thought that they weren't going to at least come back and make it interesting. So from the Chiefs side, what they are able to do at any point in time, the belief they have in that locker room, uh, the belief they have in Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and those guys is going to be an issue for everybody. And I love the way that they've started this season after all the conversation we had last year. And then on the Raiders side, they are they, their record is the lie. This is a much better team than their record start uh, states. Uh, they've had some issues. They've had some uh, some adversity, as the Raiders always do. Uh, hopefully, nobody will go to jail this year. Uh, but if they can, uh, if they can just tweak a couple of things, I mean, they were in a great position uh, at the end of the game to actually pull this one off. They made a very timely stop when they needed to, and besides for a bobble, I mean. They, they were in position to take this game from Kansas City uh, and split more than likely split the division win as we figured they would in the pre part of the season. But there's just a couple of things for them to tweak, and their season is so different. It's so different. And because of the AFC with the Denver Broncos and uh, the Chargers being up and down, they're still, they still have a chance uh, to get up to that seventh spot. Uh, but it's going to be really tough, and they have to start today. Yeah, the AFC obviously is a tough conference, and it's – the AFC West in particular is not really coming out of the gate the way we thought they were. Right. Um, I see a couple of people in the chat here asking fantasy questions, which is great. We are going to get into our fantasy talking about five minutes. As soon as we're done recapping this Monday night football game, we will um, answer some of those questions. Uh, but on the Raiders side, we saw Devontae Adams really have a quiet day outside of the two big plays. But once again, Josh Jacobs, that, I mm-hmm. thought this was key for them this year is to run the football. And they found a way to run the football against a team that had given up the least amount of rush yards in the NFL. And you saw Josh Jacobs running hard and he was the dog that he yeah. is. And I'm talking oh, 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 dog. <laughs> uh, 21 carries 154 yards. He also added uh, five catches for 39 out of the backfield. This is what I told people Josh Jacobs could be, especially in the fantasy world, right? Where it's our fantasy show. This is what I've been waiting for, for Josh Jacobs. Um, now you've seen it. Is this the way the Raiders have to approach every game and if they want to win? Because we've seen it without Josh Jacobs and it didn't look great all the time. Yesterday actually looked pretty good. And then obviously trying to find ways, more ways to get Devonte Adams involved. But is this what the Raiders need to be doing going forward? Absolutely. Uh, th- this needs to be the guy they run their offense through uh, just to keep it balanced. Obviously we're not fading Devonte Adams. He's going to be a big part of this as well. But, it, I mean, if they're going to be doubling Devontae Adams, they're taking a guy out of the box. And the way that Josh Jacobs runs, that's going to cause problems. He is he is a bruiser. He doesn't run away from contact. He's quick enough to get by contact without being touched if he needs. If you can keep these defenses honest, make sure they're uh, battling the run, that gives way for Devontae Adams. That gives way for Hunter Renfro, who will be more involved going forward. He was kind of eased in last week. And that's going to allow this offense to open up and do some of the things they want to do. Josh McDaniels can be creative. Uh, but he's always been fighting through the run. You think about what he did for years and years in New England, and he's brought that here with just one guy. He doesn't even really go to those backups as often as he needs to. 
Uh, so going through Josh Jacobs, I'm, I'm not saying 157 every single week, but we know he's going to play through injury. We know he's a tough guy. We know he's going to battle week in and week out. Uh, and that's a great place to start and to set the tone for the offense that you want to have in this league. On the Chiefs side, I mean, just Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, the connection that they have is uncanny. It's it's not comparable. It's nothing like I've ever seen. Uh, Kelsey was double teamed pretty much the entire game, and he still found a way to score four <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand how you have seven catches, twenty five yards, and four touchdowns. Um, if you know that's the guy, you got to stop him in the red zone. But they're so good about being unselfish and doing their job and scheming Travis Kelsey open that. And then he does the rest because he's a super talent. Um, just, I, I didn't, I didn't take much away from the Kansas City Chiefs last night. I'll be honest because I know they're a great team. I know yeah. they got behind, but like you said, there was never a doubt, never a worry in my mind that Kansas City was going to chip away at that lead and at least make it a game. Um, they made it closer than I thought at the end yeah. and they had the chance to ice it and they gave the ball back to the Raiders. But right now, th this is a top two team in the NFL. Uh, I mean, I, I think so. Are, are you under? Oh, 100%. I'm right there with you. I mean, they're one of those teams, too, that that get the benefit of the I'm doubt from what they've been able to show in the past as well. So, like, knowing that even if they start a late, just like last year, we were like, they'll be right there when you needed to. And, and to your point about being selfless, they, that, that fourth touchdown for Travis Kelsey, they didn't even want to go to him. They were trying to get other people to score. It took a busted play, <laughs> a busted play in fourth and one for them to go, oh, well, I mean, he's so open. How am I not going to give him the touchdown? It, it's just fantastic. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, Travis kills Kelsey pissed me off, though. Just enough. Just enough for one guy to beat me and three points shy of me beating somebody else. Granted, I, I played horrible. I told everybody preseason. I told everybody preseason he would be the best value in round one because – He's a tight end, and his he is going to outscore every tight end by so much, including yeah. Mark Andrews, who's great. Um, but he is still going to outscore Mark Andrews because without Tyreek Hill in that offense, when they need a play, that's where they go. And it doesn't matter. Like, you, you've seen it now. Some teams have chose not to double-team Travis Kelsey. He kills them. The Raiders choose to double-team him, and they kill him still. Like, it's he is too good, too good, too good. Uh, I drafted him in a lot of my fantasy leagues, and – this is the reason why he's too good. Yeah. Um, okay. So status quo with the Chiefs. We have our power rankings dropping tomorrow. Um, you're going to want to watch that because there's some shakeup at the top. Um, obviously the Chiefs win 30 to 29. Raiders go for too late. Um, I don't really want to get into that two point conversation because we've seen, we do this every week. If he makes yeah. it and they win, he's a hero. If he misses it and he lost, he's not. Um you can give me your quick thoughts on if you want. That's where I stand. I don't care. They they lost it, the game. It wouldn't come from a good place. I needed them to go for one so Travis Kelsey could get another oh, couple catches. So <laughs> oh, I mean, either I'm way the Chiefs were getting either way the Chiefs are getting the ball back, and they're gonna only need a field goal to go down and win it. So uh, the question I was just about to ask, and I, the answer's in my head. I mean, I I don't know if Josh Jacobs was the right move but then you look at what he did all game and yes he was so yeah. so never mind um yeah I, I actually liked the play call he slipped a little bit and he went down earlier yeah. than he wanted to like I think if he could have just held his body up a little bit more he gets in there so yeah uh, it's unfortunate but I thought it was the right call I don't have a problem with that with that move at all you're playing the Chiefs you got to play to win yeah. not play yeah. not play not to lose 
He it was consistent with that the entire game. They went for he it was. like that early in the game. So he did. they knew what they were up against. They, they played a damn good game. I, I give it up to Raiders a little bit. <laughs> They're a good team. They're a good team. They'll get it, yeah. they'll get it right, I think. Um, all right, it's time. Fantasy talk. Let's get into it. The fantasy drive. Sure. We're here. We got people in the chat asking questions before we even get to um our rundown for that. Let's 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 get right to the chat. I got a question here from Adam Weber, looks like. Um is DJ Moore a flex option this week with PJ Walker under center? That's an interesting question. Last two games Walker played, DJ caught 11 of 18 targets for 151. AJ, obviously DJ DJ Moore has had a struggle to the first part of this season. Um, what is your thoughts on DJ Moore when it comes to uh, with PJ Walker or Sam Darnold when he gets back versus with Baker Mayfield and what he's able to do? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm wary for the very first week of it. Uh, I, I like PJ Walker. Uh, granted, I mean, as his role, I'm not saying, you know, PJ Walker week in and week out, go ahead and do that. But, uh, as his role, uh, I like what PJ Walker brings to the table. DJ Moore, I'm weary the first week. It may be one of those type of guys that I would obviously depending on your options, uh, that I would kind of wait to see what happens because Baker's going to be out at least two weeks, if not three. And at that point in time, Sam Darnold's back. And there may be a question on who even goes back in the game. I know what they paid Baker, but. It, it does not look good. It does not look great by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, depending on your options, if you have somebody else you can flex on a running back or a uh, different wide receiver, I might go that option the first week out. Uh, I'll be honest. I think DJ Moore's value goes up. I told you I thought Baker Mayfield um, actually made DJ Moore a worse player because of the way his style of football. Um, I So I also think DJ Moore – in the future can be better. I think this week is tough. They play the Rams this week. The Rams defense is good. Um, they, they can they can cover receivers. I do think it's going to take some time. If you have other options that are decent, um, I would go other options. It looks like you also have Romeo Dobbs. I'll be honest. I like Romeo Dobbs this week against the Jets far more than I like DJ Moore this week. Um, so I think this week I would start Romeo Dobbs instead of DJ Moore. Um, as my flex, as my flex consideration, DJ Morris had kind of an up and down flex um, year, right? He went eight, 13, two, 12, and 10. So it's not terrible. He's seen the target share is there. You, you That's the one thing you have to like with DJ Moore. He is getting the target share. He's got, uh, I believe over 35 targets this season in the five games. So he's seeing seven to eight, nine targets a game. Um, that's usually good enough for value. The problem is Baker Mayfield has been so inaccurate DJ Moore's had a couple of drops this season that were unlike DJ Moore. Um, so I think there are better days ahead for DJ Moore. I'm a, I'm a big believer in holding for DJ Moore or buying low on DJ Moore um, because he always finds a way. You look at DJ Moore's fantasy, uh, I guess you could say fantasy career. Um, the history of DJ Moore says that he's going at the end of the season, you're going to look up and you're going to say, okay, he was a wide receiver two, three. <laughs> like that's what he's been over the past Three seasons, he's been 18, 13, and 16 in PPR, right firmly planted right in the middle of that wide receiver two. I think he's that, that's the type of player he is, but um, you're just going to have to hold him a little bit longer or maybe even even buy low. Um, all right, AJ, so from week, our week five takeaways, um, what are your, what is your biggest takeaway from a fantasy perspective from week five? Ooh, biggest takeaway. That's a good one. Um, I really I want to know what's gonna go on with the Saints. Like that. That's kind of where I I really looked at this. I was two seconds away from picking up Taysom Hill. Congrats to all those who did. I'm not gonna you know wane on the past. 
But at this point now, you got Chris Olave, who looked to have a very serious concussion. We'll see what happens if he can come back next week. And he's been one of your best receivers on the season. Jarvis Landry was inactive. Michael Thomas has been inactive. Jameis Winston's in and out. They didn't give Andy Dalton every single snap. If Jameis is inactive next week, if all the receivers are inactive next week, is Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara the only way you're going to play through this through this offense? And if so, are you rushing out to get a Taysom Hill? Um, are they going to take Taysom Hill's eligibility and change it back to quarterback? Like there, There's a lot of questions in the New Orleans Saints side from the fantasy perspective. Um, that's where my mind goes first. I know there's some other teams and other players I could definitely have brought up uh, for a bevy of reasons, but that's kind of where my mind went to first. For what they had, they put up together a pretty fantasy relevant offensive day between Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. And even Chris Olave left you with the touchdown on his way out the off the game. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're they're extremely banged up on the uh on the outside, especially receiver position. You got Michael Thomas hurt, Jarvis hurt, Chris Olave now with the concussion. Deontay Hardy's out for for months now, it looks like um it only leaves two healthy receivers on their team in Marquez Callaway and Traquan Smith. And back at it. <laughs> I do think and that's what we saw last year and that wasn't a pleasant sight. Um I do think that Michael Thomas is back. I think this is why they held him out was to get him right. So I think Michael Thomas comes back in the next week or so. I think that's a buy low candidate. I know how down I've been on Michael Thomas, but from a fantasy perspective, he's going to see targets because he's going to be there. Um, look, I'm, look, I'm not buying the Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill thing. Listen, he, he's a tight end. I get it. So if you want to use him at tight end, great. Understand that there's still going to be limited, limited like situations. He only played 30% of the snaps. If you can play 30% of the snaps and score 34 points, great. But eventually that stops. That doesn't happen. So um, I'm not that type of person that is going to buy into he's going to score four rushing touchdowns every week. Do they give him red zone carries? Yes. Will that continue? Yes. Is he going to always get in? No. So uh, you're also going to have to live with those terrible games. And that's, you know, the one point games, the zero point games, uh, you know, but as a tight end, if you want to stick them in there, you have a chance to score and tight ends a very thin position. So if you don't have one that you're consistently getting points from, Hey, why not throw Taysom Hill in there as an option and see what you can get out of it. So um, I, I do think they start to spread it around a little bit more. And I do think Michael Thomas is a factor once he comes back, but we saw Alvin Kamara be the focal point and that the Saints offense was successful. So I expect that to continue. I told people go out and yeah. buy Camara low because that's the lowest you're going to get him. And he's still a top five to seven back every year. And he's going to be that the rest of the season, in my opinion. So, um, okay. My biggest takeaway from week five was still the running game. I've said it every single week. It's running backs, running backs, running backs. They die. They die. They're nothing. They're supposed to be great. They aren't. Uh, Jonathan Taylor doesn't play you Zeke and Pollard and last week Pollard did nothing this week Pollard's good like where's Cam Akers and um, Daryl Henderson like (laughs) running back is so hard go draft your guys Nick Chubb Saquon Barkley owners they're sitting back just like this my guy my guy doesn't get hurt my or at least the Nick Chubb owners my guy doesn't get hurt my guy's running well um Saquon's having a good year. You just That's never know. Did. Like you never know. Everybody was Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor hasn't done anything this year. On there. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't look that good. 
had one good week, so or one week of what you expected from him. It's the reason Christian McCaffrey is the best thing in fantasy football because his floor is the highest, even when they suck. Even when he's at his worst, he's going to get you 13 to 15. Austin Eckler's right up there with that floor. And look at him. He's been balling out the last two weeks. So value those running backs uh, because the, when you get the good ones, you're in a good position. When you don't, you're searching and you're searching and you're praying for injuries and then you're praying for fab money. It's it's uh, it's tough sledding when you don't have to. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, AJ, week three overreactions. We do this every week. We talk about who are we overreacting week to? Who are three. we? <laughs> Week five, sorry. Uh, week five overreactions. What after watching the weekend? What do you think is going to be the biggest overreaction this week, or what are people overreacting to the most? Player situation. What do you got? Uh, this is going to be hurtful because we talked about this guy. We like this guy. Um, I think we're going to have an overreaction on Gabe Davis. I think you'll see him plugged into every single lineup. I know he's a good receiver, uh, but you look at what he did yesterday uh, or Sunday. Three receptions. Yes, 171 yards and two touchdowns. That was with Isaiah McKenzie out. He played 84% of the snaps. He's going to be in the in the rotation, but he's not going to be able to put up those type of numbers. We talked about the way this offense wants to work this year. They want to spread the ball around. Uh, he was a benefactor of two huge and wonderful and beautiful plays. The way he man just manhandled uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, you don't see that every day. That's a big, strong receiver. I really like Gabe Davis, but before before yesterday, we're talking five targets for four receptions. Week three, he had six uh, targets for three receptions. In week four against Baltimore, and sure, maybe he wasn't all the way right, but that was his second game back. It was three targets for one reception. So uh, we, we wanted this guy to be the number two. Uh, we got a great day from him yesterday or Sunday, but temper some expectations. When Isaiah McKenzie's back, he's been a beneficiary of what Josh Allen can do. We know how much he loves Stephon Diggs, and even Devin Singletary is getting involved in the passing game. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a big overreaction to what happened because people were waiting on it. Yeah, Gabe Davis is a very low-volume, high-risk, high high-reward play, right? You get a big play guy, touchdown guy. But his target share is just not high enough. His target share, he's only seen five targets a game. Usually they're low percentage targets because they're down the field. So you get two or three catches, and he has to get in the end zone in order for that really to pay off. I like some better options there. But uh, I love him in DFS plays. I I love him if you're in a deep, deep league and you need uh, some big play potential with that high risk factor. You're probably going to be thinking about starting him as a flex when I think there's some better options out there. I still have him as a top 30 wide receiver, but I think it it there's just going to be weeks that he just doesn't hit. He's going to either be boom or bust, and you're just going to have to live with it. He's like the poor man's version of Mike Williams. Um, Mike Williams obviously receiving more targets and things like that. So that that's better on, on that end, but a high risk, high reward there for, for – um, Gabe Davis in in the Bills offense. So, um, all right. I am going to give you a list of names and let me get my makeshift list up here since my wonderful producer, Vincent Milani, and I'm going to call him out. Uh, That mother, that mother sucker didn't, didn't get me my list. Didn't do nothing for me. He was asleep (laughs) or something. It's all good. Uh, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, All right. So I'm going to give you a list of, players and i want you to tell me are you buying or selling their performance from week five going forward um Brees hall Brees hall going forward he was uh obviously 
one of the best running backs in football uh, this past week. I think he was RB4 after after week five um, behind Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, and Leonard Fournette. Um, are you buying Brees Hall going forward as an RB1-2? Back-to-back players we talk about, guys, that I had to sit on my bench and I'm paying for it. Um, I am absolutely uh, buying the Brees Hall conversation of him trending upward. I've been actually trying to tell people that it was coming. We've watched we watched him kind of ease them into the season, uh, giving the snaps with him and Michael Carter, getting him used to the NFL. But over the last couple of weeks, it's only been trending upward, and he's only been getting better. He went from week two, 27% of the snaps, to 51% of the snaps in week three, 66% of the snaps in week four, and 69% of the snaps in week five. Um, lost a touchdown to just handing it to Michael Carter after he did a lot of the work there. Uh, 18 attempts and 17 attempts in the last two weeks. 197 yards from scrimmage, if I'm not mistaken. This guy, we talked about it in the preseason. He's going to be a beast in this league, and I think the Jets are aware that he's ready uh, to start taking hold of that backfield. Michael Carter won't be completely phased out. He's really talented. But Brees Hall is a guy that you try to find a spot in your lineup. Um, I got burned by James Robinson yesterday when I wanted to start Brees Hall. I just couldn't make – I could not make a justification for it at that point in time in my mind. So, I mean, you could have if you'd have listened to me. Um, I, you never I said Benjamin was against Houston, who was giving I, him 5.1 yards I, I, per I carry. Get I get it, but I warned people against James Robinson, and we'll get into him um, in a minute because Wes wasn't a player on my list. But I, I think I like the Brees Hall conversation. I do think him and Michael Carter, Carter are going to split for the rest of the year. I think they're going to be somewhere what they were last game, 60-40. Michael Carter's still going to get his touches. But I, it doesn't matter. I think this Jets offense wants to use the running backs. Um, you've seen it. I think – Michael Carter will steal more of Brees Hall's touchdowns because they like Michael Carter around the goal line. He's shifty. He can get fine ways into the end zone. And they've done that. He's been a top 24 running back this year, despite splitting carries. And Brees Hall has been a top 10 running back this year, despite splitting carries. So this is the value of the running back position. When you get guys that are involved in offenses, you have to take advantage of them. I'm okay with both of those guys being starters. I'm okay if you have Brees Hall as a running back too now. And I was down on him early in the season. But from what we are seeing, the way they are using him, the amount of volume out of the backfield in the passing game, and then you add that to the touches increasing week after week and snap percentage, you have to like the way things are going with Brees Hall. Uh, Put him in your lineup and feel really, really good about taking him number one overall if you were in Dynasty. (laughs) And in the third or fourth round, if you decided to reach and and take that that third or fourth round pick on him uh, in redraft. So you should be patting yourself on the back because it's paying off right now. And I think it continues to do so as we move forward. Um, You mentioned James Robinson. So I'll I'll skip where I was going to go and I'll go there. James Robinson, a a tough week, obviously. Um, Now it's been a couple of a couple of weeks where it's been tough sledding. Um, his snap percentage is continuing to drop. He goes from eight. He had eight carries a week ago. He had 10 carries for just 27 yards, only two catches. Um, he's now RB 16 on the year, which is about where I actually had him. I had him about RB two. Um, con- level of concern, buying or selling that this continues for Jane Robinson or are there better days ahead? I'm at a 6.5. <laughs> I believe there are better days ahead. I get it. It's two weeks back to back. And there is something to be said for, uh, you know, the fact that they've given Travis Etienne a couple more snaps. He was at about 53%. But they both, I mean, they split right down the middle, 10 carries each. Uh, Travis Etienne was able to get 71 yards out of his, uh, as opposed to James Robinson's 39. But you mentioned it. He, Doug Peterson wants to throw the ball. 
But James Robinson can catch. I mean, I get it. Travis Etienne's that guy, and he makes a living catching the ball. That's what he did in Clemson. That's what they brought him in here to do. Uh, but James Robinson, it's not like he's got bricks for hands. We've seen him catch a bunch of angle routes, a bunch of slow-go routes. He's he's a really, really good running back. And Doug Peterson has acknowledged that he wanted him to be the guy coming into the season. Um, so despite two bad weeks, um, you may have to have a tough decision on your hands some weeks now, uh, if you're like me, who has him and Brees Hall in a league. But uh, I, I think there are better days ahead. You just may end up missing out on some if you have to make those tough decisions. I'll be honest. I'm starting to fade James Robinson. And 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 I love James Robinson. <clears throat> I actually think he's the more talented running back um, on this team. And I think that this is more about philosophy. And this comes into play with what Doug Peterson wants to do with the running back out of the backfield. James Robinson doesn't have the explosion of a Travis Etienne. And that's the difference. Travis Etienne is an explosive player. He has big playability. That's what Doug Peterson wants in his offense. It's nice to have that guy you can truck and truck and truck and truck. Um, James Robinson doesn't have the explosiveness as Travis Etienne. Now, can he break off a long run? Sure, but he's still not as explosive where every play could be a home run. And I think this is what we're seeing with James Robinson. He is going to be very similar to Ezekiel Elliott without the volume. Like Zeke still sees the volume and is going to be touchdown dependent in most cases to have real fantasy asset about value. James Robinson is going to be touchdown dependent, but only see 10 to 12 touches. And that is going to be hard for him when most days are going to look like 10 for 57, 12 for 72. Like, and it's, you're like, I, I just, I know I'm not going to get those explosive plays because early in the season, he was giving you that it was a 50 yard touchdown run. It was a 45 yard touchdown run. Uh, when those start to taper off or those don't happen, as I told people they would because it was unsustainable, um, his value drops and he's only going to get you five, six, seven points. So um, I am of the mindset now, there's going to be other games where he goes off. He has big days. It's going to be few and far between and it's going to be so frustrating to play him. Uh, I am on the fade James Robinson train. I am on the, if you still could get something for him, because people still believe in him, a la trade him to Vinny Milani, AJ, <laughs> I would do it. I would, hope you're not listening, Vinny. Don't listen. I, would, I, would, I would do it. I, I seriously would. I would try to move on from a James Robinson if you have that opportunity. Maybe you hang on to him uh, another week to see, like maybe he gets in the end zone twice or something and you can sell him, Tradable but high, then you're yeah. running the risk of him putting up another single digit performance and then you can't get anything for him. So um, pick your poison, but uh, I'm starting to fade James Robinson. Let's move to the receiver position. Tyler Lockett. This is a name, um, the number eight receiver in PPR. Like, wild. I, yeah, wild. <laughs> um, you look at his ADP, wh- where he was being drafted. And I believe it was like wide receiver 50 something. Like it wasn't. He was not being drafted very high. He's outperforming DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf so far. He looks to he looks to be doing everything he needs to do to to sustain this value. You know Seattle's going to play from behind a lot because their defense isn't very good. Buying or selling Tyler Lockett? I'm buying it, man. This uh, we we talked about this uh, team in the offseason, and we were worried. And listen, I say what you will, but I'm hats off. Hats off to Geno Smith, man. He's been playing well. That touchdown, that second touchdown to Tyler Lockett, a dot. I, I, I mean, you could question whether or not you should throw it, but the fact that he did 
and it landed right in the bread basket of Tyler Lockett, and nobody else could do anything about it. These are the types of plays Tyler Lockett. I, I think I'm, I'm a couple days off of saying he's not doing everything Russell Wilson's doing. He's not throwing improbable plays at the goal line in the back of the end zone. Shut me up, right? Do it exactly the way I said it did. And Tyler Lockett has just been – he's been Tyler Lockett. He's been the player that you wanted, and it looks like he's been slightly more consistent than he was at Russell Wilson. In the days where you look at Russell Wilson throwing and in one day it's DK Metcalf, the next week is Tyler Lockett. I mean, Tyler Lockett has had double-digit games every single week since week one. Like, week one started, and and it was five, and you were like, yeah, this is what we expected against a good Denver defense. And since then, 19, 16, 13, and 27, uh, playing a buttload of the snaps, catching everything his way. I'm buying Tyler Lockett. I think this offense is keeping the Seattle Seahawks team, quote-unquote, relevant (laughs) uh, to an extent. I want to ask about Tyler Lockett because I, I do think it's sustainable if Gino is sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I bring this up is because number one, there's been a lot of hate on YouTube about my comments about Gino Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Gino Smith is 32 years old, 30, 33 years old. 32. Have we seen a quarterback develop at that age? Like, could it could this be real? Is this real? Like Gino's a better player now. Um, after watching him for years, I mean, the man's been in the league eight years before this year, and we've watched him not be very good. But he sat on the bench behind Russell Wilson. Um, he's never thrown he, as a starter, he's never thrown for more touchdowns than interceptions. Um but he also hasn't started since 25 years old. So at what do we, at what point are we saying this is real for Geno Smith? Are we, are we there yet? Or are we saying, I'm still not, I'm still not buying it. I'm still not there. (laughs) I'm there. Um, I I don't know so much as develop as the fact that he's actually getting a a chance to show what he's learned in the NFL and attribute his actual skill set to a team. The plus side is he's been here long enough. He knows the scheme. He knows what the what they want to do, the philosophy of this team. The plus side is that he didn't lose weapons. I mean, they gave up uh, – did they even lose a tight end? No, they gained a tight end. Don't even use him. You kept both your receivers. You got a new running back. He got to slide into an offense that he knew pretty well already, and that's a big part of it. Um, you talk about old receivers or old quarterbacks. I mean, Case Keenan with Minnesota was ridiculous. He was 29 at the time, and at quarterback, 29, 32, damn near the same age. I, okay, I'm buying but, it. <laughs> but, okay, so, but that's, I guess that's my point is when I say developed, is this a one year wonder thing? Is this a great, Baker Mayfield had a great year. Carson Wentz had a great year. Does this go from, you're not really, you're a backup to you are now a regular starter for the rest of your career. And that's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm asking. Do I think it's sustainable this year? Perhaps he's not turning the football over, which is a new for him. So maybe he has learned something, but is it sustainable? Can he, do we look at the Seattle Seahawks now and say, you know what? Maybe they don't need a quarterback in the first round. Maybe they need to build the defense and Gino can be that guy. 32 as an age, 32 at a quarterback's age is not very old. So that's another eight years you can play. That could be your franchise guy. Are we saying that about Geno Smith right now? Do we buy that? Or are we saying, 
It's only a matter of time for that shoe drops and he turns into the turnover Geno Smith that we've seen in the past. You throw words around to make it really hard to say yes, like franchise. I, I'm asking because <laughs> I've been getting a hard time for, yeah. for not giving him his credit when all I keep saying is like, I'm not, I don't give credit to guys after four to five weeks. Like, yeah. Over, especially if I have a resume or a history of him just being a backup and when he was a starter, he wasn't good. How am I yeah. supposed to give him credit? It would be like me giving Marcus Mariota credit coming into this season. Like it was hard to do that when you haven't seen them play well. So yeah, I'm in the same boat with Gino. I, I know he's playing well. He's got the highest passer rating in the NFL. He's got nine to two, nine touchdowns to two picks. He's playing great. Is it sustainable? Yeah. That's the question. I mean, I can't see it dropping this season. I do find it hard to think he will be a starter going forward in his career. Seattle may be the only place that happens because the way the NFL is now, literally this team we talked about in the draft, they kind of sold out so they could start building their young core. I mean, Gino would have to be, I mean, Gino might have to take them pretty far in the playoffs for them to be like, all right, we'll take a quarterback in the fourth round and see if we can develop them and get a, get a bunch of picks for the defense and the offensive line and let Gino be it. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't think he could go somewhere else and they use him as a starter. At this point, if teams are looking for a quarterback, they are looking for what they expect to be an eventual franchise guy. And he's past the prime of becoming that, in my opinion. So if he can, I mean, if this is how he looks all season long, you know, no, not turning the ball over, uh, 60, 70% completion rating, so on and so forth. Yeah, like, let's let's do that all season. But, it, yeah, it has to be the I, entire I year. I can't imagine, I can't imagine, and I'm just, again, I'm not hating on Geno Smith. I actually like Geno Smith. <laughs> I can't imagine watching Geno Smith play like this all year. I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a few reasons. And then... I know people don't like doing this, but I, I look at everything. I do look at their schedule. And I saw, okay. Yeah, I was they, just about to bring it up. He played great in the first half against the Broncos, but the second half wasn't very good. Then he played the Niners, and it wasn't very good. And since then, he's been balling out. But it's the Falcons, the Lions, and the Saints. All three teams have underachieved. All three teams don't have a great defense. Um, and the I'm not Saints saying – defense is pretty decent. Like, haven't been and, this and, year. They, they, they have, like you said, underachieved. If you yeah, look at that defense, but, but that's you don't what I mean. Think... Like they're not, whatever it is, they're not playing well, right? So, and I attribute that to, okay, you're not playing well. It, it shows me that Gino is more developed now than he was <clears throat> then, than he was when he was a starter before. He is a better player and a better quarterback now than he was then. So I expect now he will play better against bad teams. But what happens when he goes up against the defenses we say we need you to beat? Well, so so to that point, and San Francisco is a defense like that. He didn't play well. That I get. But you talk about the bad teams. We also know Seattle's defense isn't that great. It says something to me as well, though, that you you, you can keep pace in those in those shootouts. Like you're playing a bad team, but they're coming and scoring on you every time, despite what they are. You still have to go out and perform and still make that happen. And he's found yeah. a way to do it. You know, to, he's to played. Get, he's played great. <laughs> Well, what is he going to do when it's a defense. a defense that can stop him? That's my question. Like, because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a franchise guy versus a, a okay, you're the middle of the road quarterback. And we, we talk about this with Jimmy G. It's the same thing for me. I don't get excited about players like Geno Smith because if you can't look at him and say, that's my future quarterback that's going to win me Super Bowls, then why waste your time with him? He's the perfect bridge quarterback for Seattle. But I can't see going forward that that's going to pay dividends. From a fantasy perspective, I don't want people to buy into something 
and then fall off. I am selling all my shares, all my shares of Tyler Lockett. If I can, I'm, I'm selling every single share. If you can get a wide receiver, solid wide receiver to get him. If you can get a running back to get him. if you can get a tight end, get him, get, sell it all, sell the farm. I don't buy it. I'm not buying into Tyler Lockett because I don't buy into Geno Smith being able to do this against the really, really good teams. And that's really what it boils down to. When you look at the end of the season for the Seahawks, especially the playoffs, it's the Panthers, the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Jets. I don't love that playoff matchup for a player like Geno Smith. That's all I'm going to say. Um, sell your sell your shares of Tyler Lockett, in my opinion. Um, all right, let's get to my week, week five, week six. What week are we in? We're going into week six. Week six top waivers. I wish I had a graphic. Wish I had a graphic for this. Oh. But uh, um, I don't. I don't. So uh, it's all good though. Yeah. I'll use your imagination, hand. people. I'll use my handy dandy. I'll use my handy dandy phone to tell you guys what what my top five waiver wires are this week. Okay. So my number five waiver wire is uh, it's it's might surprise some people. It's Jalen Warren, and. This is a long play, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this is a long play. Najee Harris has the Liz Frank injury and hasn't been very productive this year. Um, we can all admit that. Jalen Warren has not played a whole lot, but he's been explosive when he's been in yeah. the game. And Najee Harris, again, just doesn't seem to be right, whether that's injury, offensive line play, um, no, whatever it is, it's just not, um, it just doesn't look right. Jalen Warren in a blowout played 50% of the snaps, only got five carries, 24 yards, but he averaged almost five yards a carry, caught another full four balls for 39 yards, scored double digits. He's an explosive player. I think late in the season, the Steelers are not going to be good. They're not going to be in contention. And Najee Harris's foot's going to be a problem all year. I think they shut him down. I think they shut him down eventually. Um, this is a, this is a, hey, go out. If you have the roster space, do not do this. If you don't have the roster space, it's not a smart move because it might not pay off. But if you right. have the roster space, if you have a deep roster, uh, if you have, you know, you don't need those bench spots for players that you're going to have to plug in for bye weeks and things like that, and you can afford to do it, go get them. Put them on your bench and, uh, and see if it pays off in the end. Yeah, no, that's a good strategy, uh, especially, I mean, especially if you are a nausea owner too. He is uh, you know, in sleeper leagues, only rostered in 13% of leagues right now. Uh, you know, that's what we use. That's what we're talking about. I don't have ESPN up, but uh, yeah, if, if you're, if you can beat the Najee owner as well, go ahead and grab them. Uh, like you said, you're waiting to see, uh, but if this does linger too much longer and we get to the point where poor Mike Tomlin ain't going to get his 500 season. <laughs> he's not, he's not. We already almost to that point, brother. He's not. I know. I know. Uh, you know, I like that a lot. I like that idea. I just don't think you're picking him up and starting him next week or something like no, that. This no. is definitely a stash waiver wire uh, pickup here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my number four is uh tight end. You know, I don't put tight ends on this list very often, but I was trying to pay homage to uh, our Jacksonville Jaguars fans and they decided not to show up to work today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm digging at Vinny all day long. That's what I do. Uh, it's Evan Ingram. It's Evan Ingram. Yeah. I, I, I'm sold. I don't know. Tight end. He's tight end 15 on the season. He's only had two good weeks, but they're using him. Um, he's had at least three targets in every game, but one. Um, he's had a couple of double, he had a double digit target game last week. 
in, in a game that was close. So it wasn't like it was just a blowout. Uh, I think they're trying to find ways to get him involved because he is that a difference maker because of his size and speed. Uh, Evan Ingram, I, I think tight end is one of those positions who has some upside that might be able to help you um, at some point down the stretch. So can you get double digits? Yeah. Cody Bellinger scoring double digits. Adam Troutman scored. Cody Bellinger. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, um, Evan Ingram can do, Evan Ingram can do that. I think he was number eight tight end on, or number seven or eight tight end this week. Um, I look for him to continue to have an uptick in targets and go get some Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram might be the skinniest tight end in the NFL. I swear, <laughs> every time he catches the ball, I'm like, is that a wide receiver? Yeah. Like, oh, it's Evan Ingram. I'm like, what the he hell? Doesn't, he, doesn't look, he doesn't look built like some of the tight ends. It is very true. <laughs> very true. He's, a, he's a definitely in, in good shape. Uh, my number three player, and this is, I like him now, but I like him even more when they get, when the other player comes back, and that's Rondell Moore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really, really like Rondell Moore, especially when uh, the Cardinals get back uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think that, I think he's going to be a difference maker. They wanted to get him involved last year. They, they weren't able to do it. He's seen five and eight targets since he's been back. Um, he gets involved in some of those gadget plays, but he's an explosive player. Um, <clears throat> I can see situations where he's catching five to seven balls a game. And if you get an explosive player like that, catching that many balls, um, and you're looking, you're searching on the waiver wire for some help, I think Rondell Moore could be that, um, especially in the PPR league of some late flex value. If you need a guy with some upside to throw in that flex position, I think Rondell Moore is the way to go. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I stashed him in the Sac City League uh, a week earlier than I <laughs> thought he'd come back, paid for him a little bit. I was like, I don't mind. I have the roster spots, you know, and it was a guy that was sitting out there. Uh, there's some other people I wish I'd done that with, but I, I definitely agree. We know they've liked Rondale Moore since before they shipped off Christian Kirk. So uh, I think his time is coming uh, and it's only going to help make that offense more explosive when uh, Hopkins comes back. I think this is the last week he's out, right? He was suspended yep, six, week six. Games. Yep. Boy, I need, all right. I got to, I got to sustain one more week in my guillotine league. And I got, I got a squad. <laughs> I got a squad. Cause I got him on um, my bench chilling. Yeah. <laughs> Cardinals offense should get some much needed help uh, here pretty quickly. My number two player, uh, same team. It's Eno Benjamin. Um, the Cardinals are banged up. Obviously, James Conner has been banged up all year. Uh, Daryl Williams, same thing, banged up. Uh, I think Eno Benjamin is the next in line. Like they yeah. said, James Conner's not seriously injured, but he's been going in and out of the lineup all year, and, and so. Um, I think Eno Benjamin needs to be rostered in more leagues. I think he's going to be the direct handcuff. If anything, in the passing game, um, he's going to have served some purposes. He's seen four targets in every game, but one even splitting time. Uh, he's found the end zone last game. He got eight carries last game. I think he'll get more this week if James Conner's out, obviously. Uh, I, I just think this is a guy that needs to be on more rosters. He's only 16% owned. So Eno Benjamin is somebody that I'd be looking at. If he's on your roster, go scoop him up. If not for this week, because James Conner plays, he will get hurt again. We've seen it. We didn't buy in last year. He sustained, you know, sustained throughout last year. Vinny said it this year. He didn't trust him. I tried not. I tried to buy into him. And he, obviously he turned into James Conner again, and he's just not living up to what we expected. Still, I mean, he's still an RB3 or, whatever flex so if you have james connor if you can move him move him but if not you can still start him but yeah. uh obviously there's some concern there with injury so eno benjamin is my number two waiver wire pickup and you talk about explosive honestly when eno benjamin hits that hole he looks explosive like he looks like he's shot out of a cannon and that's only a matter of time if he's getting the volume before he just breaks one of those wide open and maybe two or three so 
Uh, I like that a lot. That's a, that's one that was probably underneath people's radar, but you've talked about it before. So if you weren't listening yeah, I, before, people, listen now. I did like Eno Benjamin coming into this year as the backup. Then they went and signed Daryl Williams, and I was like, okay, just yeah. wasting space. But And now we're getting to the point where Eno Benjamin uh, should get his opportunity a little bit here. Um, and then my number one. My number one, I don't know why he's not on more rosters already, but he definitely should be. You talked about him earlier in the show. It's Isaiah McKenzie. And I get he was out a week uh, because of that concussion, but there is no more Jamison Crowder that's yeah. going to be blocking him. And I knew Jamison Crowder was going to play a role early in the season, just taking snaps away from Isaiah McKenzie, but there's no more Isaiah McKenzie waiting for Jamison Crowder to get out of the way or spell him in the slot. Isaiah McKenzie is going to be that slot guy. Um, he should be back next week and the Buffalo Bills explosive offense. Um, he's already had good weeks. Like, we, we, we've talked about it. He's already had a couple of good weeks where you could play him. And, and I think it's important that we understand his playing time is probably going to sit around the same all year. It's probably going to be around 60% once um, now that Crowder has gone. I think he can see seven targets a game at 60%. And if that's the case, you're, you're going to get a good player. You're going to get somebody that has some value in flex consideration. So go get Isaiah McKenzie. I think he, there are really, really good days ahead. And I told you I thought he would be a game changer this year. Yeah, nothing, nothing really against that. We we enjoy Isaiah McKenzie. Get your shares of this offense, really, outside of like Zach Moss, probably. But other than that, get your shares of this offense. And Isaiah McKenzie's shown he can do it. So, uh, yeah, I'm right with you. That's a great number one. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, people. All right, let's see if we have any more comments, questions before we head out. Uh, do you add PJ Walker in a super flex or no? it depends. It's not, it's not sustainable. Like you're not, if you're not starting guys at this point, depending on how deep your rosters are, if you're not, if you don't have a chance to start them, don't add them. If you need a quarterback and you, you're like, I got to start PJ Walker, then sure. Why not? But if you have better players, then don't waste, don't waste your time picking up players just to pick them up. Um, I'm sure there's other players out there that you can use, or you may not need that quarterback um, on your roster. It's like having Tyler Huntley on your team uh, to back up Lamar Jackson. It's just not smart. <laughs> oh, hey, Vinny, is that you? No. Um, <laughs> let's see. That's a good name right here. Actually, that, that might that may be Rich Gannon, developed late in his career, but he was still wasn't yeah. great, um, but he did take him to a Super Bowl. So maybe, maybe that's a good name there, Bailey. Um, all right, looks like that's all. AJ, um, I appreciate you for uh, for joining us on the fly. We, we made it work. We did. We had, a, we had some fun, and we we talked some fantasy. We talked some recap, and you can check out all the clips. Uh, AJ's dropping shorts. Uh, go check out the Bailey Zappy short that just dropped. We got all the recaps from the weekend's games. Tomorrow we have our power rankings. Uh, new list. I'm telling you right now, a lot of shakeups. Uh, it's going to be fun. 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube, Twitter, all those fun things. We're not going to run through the socials. You guys know where to find us. Uh, and, 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 and that's it. So, AJ, uh, yeah, th thanks for doing what you do, buddy. That's what we're about. At Sac City, baby. At Sac City Pod. Be sure to join us. That does it for another episode. We will see you tomorrow. Holla. Lunch. Mm -hmm.
nyam 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 n